Hey, this is Pastor Jay Lee, and Merry Christmas from the Daily Sabbath Podcast. Hey guys, Pastor Jay here. Welcome to the Daily Sabbath Podcast, and Merry Christmas. This episode is dropping on Christmas Eve, and so the question that we are talking about today is should Christians celebrate Christmas? That's right. Just like the Grinch, I am swooping in here at the last minute trying to spoil Christmas for you guys. But just to give you guys some context, this question actually came from a comment that was left on one of my posts on Instagram about Christmas. And so somebody posted a comment about the origins of Christmas, and we had a little bit of a back and forth and some other people uh, commented as well. And so, you know, I just kind of put it out there to my followers on my stories, like, hey, here's a bunch of topics I'm thinking about doing. Uh, Which one do you want me to do first? And this question was the one that people wanted, which makes total sense because it's Christmas. I mean, I don't really know what I was thinking if this one didn't win. I mean, was I going to cover this question in March or April or something like that, right? And so it worked out on Christmas Eve. We're talking about should Christians celebrate Christmas? Now, before we jump in, I want to take a second to acknowledge a few people. First, I wanted to acknowledge Dan Kennedy for supporting the podcast by buying me a cup of coffee. I just really appreciate that you would be willing to support the podcast in that way. Also, there was somebody anonymous who bought me a bunch of coffees as well. And so I'm just so thankful for you guys for supporting the podcast. Really appreciate that. And I also wanted to take a second to thank one of our listeners, Kevin who sent me just a a beautiful email yesterday, just encouraging me for, you know, putting my family first and putting this episode out late. And I really appreciate that, but also just telling me about um, what this podcast has meant to him and and listening to it. And he even shared that uh, not only does he listen to it, but sometimes he listens to it with his kids. And so that was just so, so encouraging and and life-giving, honestly, to me, that not only would Kevin want to listen to this podcast himself, but that he would be willing to share it with his kids, right? That somehow this podcast is a part of the spiritual life of his family, which is just kind of mind boggling to me. And so Kevin, thank you so much for just taking time to send me that really that lovely email. I think that email is enough to fuel me for another year doing this podcast, but also just good job being a dad and being a spiritual leader and taking that time to, to spend time with God and in his word together as a family. And of course, I want to take a second to thank Josh and Leah from Evermore and Supply and just uh, sponsoring the podcast this month. And, you know, just thank you guys so much for believing in us and, and supporting us. I've included links to Evermore and Supply in the episode description. All right. So with that being said, let's get into our question today. Should Christians celebrate Christmas? And uh, I don't have a guest today. I'm calling my own number. I'm calling myself off the bench because uh, I didn't want to subject anyone else to this question. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, You know, just every now and then there's a question where I feel like I want to kind of just get into the weeds with it, get into the nitty gritty with it. So, you know, I'm calling myself off the bench for this one. And so here is my interview with myself on whether Christians should celebrate Christmas. All right. So should Christians celebrate Christmas? And I want to start here because I think there's some of you guys who are listening to this who are like, uh, 
of course we should celebrate Christmas. I mean, it's a celebration of Jesus's birthday. Like, why would we not celebrate this? Like, it's sort of a no-brainer. And so I kind of feel a little bit like that person who spoils Santa Claus for a kid. Because there are some of you guys out there who just have no awareness at all of the origins of a lot of the Christmas traditions that we observe. Because the, the, the truth of the matter is that a lot of the Christmas traditions that we have actually have their origins in a pagan Roman holiday. And basically, there's like a 0% chance that Jesus's birthday is in December. And so if you're listening to this and you didn't know that, uh, first of all, you're not alone. I actually did sort of an informal poll on my Instagram, and 25% of the people who responded uh, had no awareness of sort of these uh, pagan origins of our Christmas tradition, and, and, and just no awareness of any connection at all of Christmas with idolatry. And so actually, a lot of the Christmas traditions that we have have their origins in a pagan Roman holiday called Saturnalia. And so, you know, this is something that you can Google and you'll find, you know, tons of articles about this. And they all basically say exactly the same thing. Uh, but basically, in ancient Rome, uh, there was this holiday that they observed. And it was kind of like this week-long celebration of the winter solstice. And it was a celebration of the god Saturn, who was believed to be sort of like the god of, of, of prosperity and harvest. And so basically the whole country would shut down for like a week. And it was basically just like a huge party. People were not working and they would get together with a family and with their friends and have feasts. There was singing and merrymaking. They would even give each other gifts. And one of the traditions during Saturnalia was that they would bring in greenery into their homes to decorate their homes with, you know, to represent sort of the, you know, the fruitfulness. And so, you know, the, the wreath and the tree, they, they all kind of have their origins in this tradition. Also, another practice was that they would kind of put off their normal sort of togas and they would wear these like colorful garments. Like in a way, it was almost like the very first ugly Christmas sweaters like was happening in ancient Rome, right? They were wearing these like colorful clothes to celebrate. And they even played this game sometimes where everyone would bring a wrapped gift and, you know, they would take turns and they could either open one or steal one or tr I'm just kidding. They, they didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> That's White Elephant. They, they didn't do that. So it doesn't go that deep. All right. You guys can still play White Elephant. However, this conversation turns out, y'all can still play White Elephant at your parties. But the point is that a lot, you can see how a lot of these traditions that we have around Christmas actually had their origins in this pagan holiday of Saturnalia, right? And they, they, they have some origins in idolatry. And so that's why some Christians think that maybe we should not celebrate Christmas because it's not really Jesus's birthday. And a lot of these traditions that we have are basically coming from idol worship and coming from paganism. Now, if you're wondering how Christmas got mixed up with all of this stuff, something amazing happened in about the 4th century. And that is the Roman emperor at the time, Constantine, was converted to Christianity. And so the reason why this is so amazing is before this time, for the better part of 400 years, 
Christianity was always sort of an illicit or illegal religion in Rome, right? And so that's why Christians in many different periods, you know, it wasn't always constant, but for many periods within that first 400 years of the church, uh, they were persecuted. But the church was continuing to grow and continuing to spread and continuing to thrive throughout those, you know, 300, 400 years. And when Constantine converted to Christianity, not only did Christianity stop being an illegal religion, but he in fact made Christianity the official religion of Rome. And so it's just a complete flip. And so now instead of the Christian faith being persecuted and underground, it became enmeshed and married to the political power. And so one of the things that happened under Constantine's rule is that they started replacing some of these pagan traditions and these pagan holidays and kind of Christianizing them. And so Saturnalia, which was one of the biggest, if not the biggest holidays in Rome, they weren't just going to get rid of it. And so what they did was they Christianized it and they turned it into a celebration of Jesus' birth. And, you know, they took all these things and they, and they converted them to have Christian symbolism and Christian meaning. Now the gift giving is about, you know, the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus. You know, now the celebration and the singing, all the songs, they're about the nativity and the angels who sang on high. And so this definitely raises a question which I think is worth discussing, which is how should Christianity and the church interact with the culture around it? Now, there's a pretty famous book. It's called Christ and Culture by Richard Niebuhr, where he lays out like four or five different ways in which Christ can interact with the culture. You know, Christ in culture, Christ of culture, Christ above culture, Christ transforming culture. And so if you were wanting to do like a deeper dive on this, you might want to look into Christ and culture. It's kind of a classic. You know, what do we do with sort of the cultural artifacts? of the society that we live in. You know, as Christians, are we always to be against the culture? Or is the church like the transformer of the culture and the transformer of these traditions? Or maybe it's Christ in culture, right? Where, you know, within every culture, there are hints and remnants of Christian truth. And so we we can look within the culture and extract those, those remnants of the truth and discard the rest. And so obviously in this case, Constantine, because he brought Christianity into the seat of power, opened the way for the Christian church to transform the culture. Right? And so they took this pagan Roman holiday with its connections to idolatry, and they just completely transformed its meaning into a Christian meaning. Now, should we do this? Or should we always keep our hands off anything that has any kind of connection to idolatry at all? I'm not 100% sure of the answer. Maybe there isn't always a right and a wrong answer to this question. I don't know. I'll give you an example. Now, a lot of you guys might not know this, but a lot of our classic hymns, right? The songs that we kind of think of as being like, these are, you know, just the, the classic Christian worship songs, you know, that are so foundational and so biblical, you know, not like this, you know, fluffy music today, right? Like we kind of have that thought sometimes of hymns. 
But what you might not know is that actually a lot of our classic hymns, they were actually bar songs, right? That they were actually songs that people sang in pubs, like drinking songs. <laughs> and so what they did is they took some of these drinking songs and they changed the lyrics and put Christian lyrics on them uh, because they were, I guess, because they were already familiar tunes and they became worship songs that we still, even to, to this day, sing some of these songs, even though we have no awareness at all that they have any connection to bars or drinking. And so is that okay? Should we discard these tunes because they have connection to something that is actually not pleasing to God? Or is it okay to take something that is within the culture, something that is familiar to people, but give it a biblical meaning, give it a greater purpose, and use it for good? And so that's definitely one question that we need to consider in this conversation. So then, what should we say about Christmas? Now, I think there are some people who think that we should not celebrate Christmas because it's not in the Bible, right? I mean, it's clear that the Bible never says that Jesus was born on December 25th. The Bible never says that we should celebrate Jesus's birth. The Bible never says that we should be, you know, giving gifts to each other and all these things. And so that is the reason for a lot of people why they say, you know, we shouldn't celebrate Christmas. You know, there's a lot of other celebrations that the Bible does talk about, and maybe we should celebrate those, right? Feasts and festivals in the Old Testament, Passover. And I think the question that I would ask to that is, how far do we apply that? Because I think there's actually a lot of things in our lives that we celebrate that the Bible never calls us to celebrate. Not only does the Bible not call us to celebrate Jesus' birthday, but it doesn't call us to celebrate anybody's birthday that I'm aware of. You know, we, we celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate births. You know, how, how far are we taking this? And what is the criteria to decide what things we should and should not celebrate? I guess if we really wanted to take it to the nth degree, uh, that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses do, right? The Jehovah's Witnesses, they hardly celebrate anything for exactly those same reasons, because, you know, they believe that unless the Bible tells you to celebrate it, then you shouldn't celebrate it. And so, you know, is, is that what we're prescribing? That's, I think that's what we call an argument from silence, that because the Bible is silent on celebrating Christmas, therefore it means that we should not do it. But that is really not necessarily the case, and I would say not a, not a strong argument. But I think the stronger argument, the, the place where we really should spend our time talking, is the connection of Christmas to idolatry. You know, as Christians, we, we don't want to have anything to do with idolatry, do we? And so we shouldn't celebrate Christmas, right? And, you know, I'll say, if there are any Christians out there, if, if any of you out there who are listening to this, who don't celebrate Christmas for these reasons, I find no fault in that at all. I, I actually, I totally respect that decision. And if that is your conviction, I think that's great. And I don't find anything wrong with it. And so really, I think the question is, is there any justification for Christians like me who do celebrate Christmas, knowing that there is some connection to idolatry? 
And so for me, where I go is 1 Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 11. And so if you guys want to read those passages, you could even pause this episode and, and go read chapter 8 and chapter 11 before we talk about this. But I think it's informative for us here. Now, Paul, he's talking to Roman believers. And, you know, obviously they're living in a society and a culture that is just absolutely saturated with idolatry. And so he's trying to give them some advice about kind of what is okay and what is not okay in this world they live in that is just rampant with idolatry. Now, when you read chapter 8 and chapter 11, some of it is actually a bit confusing in parts. Uh, Sometimes it almost even feels like Paul is kind of contradicting himself. But as best as I can parse out the advice that he's giving to them, there seems to be two different types of situations that he is delineating. I think the first type of situation is when the believers would kind of come into incidental contact with things that had some connection to idol worship. So for instance, some of the examples he uses is uh, the meat that they would buy in the markets because a lot of the a lot of the meat vendors were not Christians. There was the possibility, maybe even the likelihood that that meat had been sacrificed to a, an idol and then they were selling it in the market. And so there was some question about if, whether or not it was okay to eat that meat. And then the other example he gives is if, you know, they were guests in an unbeliever's home and, you know, the food that they were being served by their hosts, you know, because they were not believers, uh, may very well have been sacrificed to idols. And so is it okay for us to eat these meals as Christians, not knowing whether the meat has been sacrificed to idols or not? So that's the first situation, just sort of when believers would kind of come into incidental contact with things that had some connection to idol worship. And then I think the second situation that he's talking about is actually being a participant in idol worship and and idol feasts and, and rituals, right? So those are the two different situations. And so this is what Paul says to them in chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, just kind of as sort of the foundational truth. Verse 4, he says, So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, quote-unquote, and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come, And for whom we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still accustomed to idols, that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. And so this is sort of the foundational truth that Paul lays out that, look, those of us who have knowledge, those of us who understand the truth, know that these idols are nothing. And there's only one God and everything that is, and everything that exists and everything that has been created comes from the one and only God. But there are some people who he says have a weak conscience who coming out of that past, that culture of idolatry, they still think that there's something, there's some power 
in in the food that's been sacrificed to the idols. They they still think that there's some power there, and and they they they're still fearful of it, and they're still maybe even tempted by it because they have weak conscience. But I think the critical verse is verse eight. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat it, and no better if we do. And so I think that's his foundational truth. And so I think this forms the context for our conversation about whether Christians should celebrate Christmas, right? I think, you know, the pagan origins of a lot of our Christmas traditions, it's a little like that. What I would consider incidental contact with something that is connected with idol worship. And I think for the vast majority of people, that this connection to idolatry or to Saturnalia or the god Saturn, that connection for the vast majority of people is very, very weak, if not completely invisible. Like most people have no concept of this connection to idolatry. And I think what God would say, or what Paul might say, is that, you know, we know there's nothing particularly special about December 25th. Uh, There's nothing special about you know, uh, a Christmas tree that it's neither good nor bad, right? There's, there's nothing that's bringing us closer or pushing us farther away from God about these particular days or about these particular items that we use in our Christmas celebration. And if people want to celebrate Jesus's birthday on this day, even though we know, we, we all know now that Jesus was not born on December 25th, if people want to use this day to celebrate Jesus's birthday, and give gifts to each other, that they can exercise that freedom free of conscience. Now, I think this is where God would take exception. Number one would be if a Christian was actually celebrating Saturnalia during this season. So, you know, maybe, you know, I'm a Christian and I happen to have a friend who is a pagan, (laughs) right? And they're like, hey, we're going to have a Saturnalia celebration this week. We're all going to get together and exchange gifts and uh, just celebrate the winter solstice and give thanks to the gods of prosperity for blessing us this year. That I, as a Christian, if I'm like, cool, when do I show up? That's when I think God would say, no, that's idolatry. (laughs) And you need to separate yourself from that. I think the other exception might be if you have somebody in your midst who maybe they were a pagan. (laughs) Maybe they converted from that. Maybe they used to celebrate Saturnalia or the winter solstice, like that this used to be something that was a part of their lives before they were a believer. And now they are a believer. But when Christmas rolls around and we start doing all these Christmassy things that maybe, you know, they start to feel the pull of that old life and those old ways and those old rituals on them again. It, It becomes a a stumbling block to them. I think in those situations, then we would also have to strongly consider as the believers around them, hmm, maybe I should tone down this Christmas stuff around them because clearly it's a source of stumbling for them. And I don't want my Christmas celebration to be a cause of them falling back into their old life because they have a weak conscience. But otherwise, I think this is pretty much kind of like the situation that Paul describes of you know, eating meat from the market free of conscience, you know, celebrate the birth of Christ and give thanks to God for it. Yeah, maybe there's some connection to, you know, some pagan holiday a long time ago that you're not really familiar with, but don't worry about it. You're free of conscience. 
Hey guys, I wanted to take a second to tell you a little bit more about Evermore and Supply, our sponsor for the month. Now I've already told you guys about their awesome planner and their greeting cards, but there's something else that they have that's pretty cool. They have this pocket-sized set of the four gospels, but what's cool about it is they're in manuscript style. So basically there's no verse numbers and you can just read it almost like a novel. Now the reason why I like this is because actually the original text of the Bible does not have verse numbers. That's something that we have put in later to kind of help us, you know, find passages. But actually those verse numbers are not original. And so a technique that some people use sometimes when they're studying the Bible is they remove the verse numbers so that they can just let the text flow the way that the original authors intended it to flow. And so if you guys are looking to read the Gospels a little bit more this year, I encourage you guys to consider checking these out because maybe you've read the Gospels several times and this could be a way for you guys to you know, kind of engage it in a little bit different way and maybe see some things that you haven't seen before. And so again, that's Evermore and Supply and I'll put the links in the episode description for you. Now, some of you guys might be thinking, but what about those of us who don't think it's right? Aren't you causing us to stumble by continuing to celebrate Christmas. And didn't Paul just get done telling us that we should not exercise our freedom if we're causing someone else to stumble? And here's what I think I want to say to that. I think it's important that we define what it means to cause somebody to stumble. And I'll say that causing someone to stumble is not making them mad because they disagree with you. Okay? It's not causing you to stumble if I celebrate Christmas and that makes you mad because you disagree with it. Causing someone to stumble is doing something in my freedom that someone else has a weakness in and is tempting someone to fall back into their old sinful ways. So that would be like going out for drinks with somebody who I know used to be an alcoholic, or gambling in front of somebody who I know used to have a problem with gambling. That's causing someone to stumble. You disagreeing with the fact that I celebrate Christmas in my freedom is not causing you to stumble, unless it's because you have some sort of tie to pagan worship and Saturnalia, and it's causing you to be tempted to fall back into your old ways, into your old life. And so I think it's important to make that distinction. And so, you know, in closing, what I want to say is that in life and in our faith, we have to pick our battles. Right? We have to decide what hills are worth dying on. And I think sometimes Christians, actually in both directions, whether fighting against celebrating Christmas or fighting for Christmas, that I think sometimes we have acted like these Christmas traditions we're a hill to die on. And I would just want to suggest that maybe Christmas, you know, whether it be the word Christmas or whether or not it's biblical to celebrate Christmas, that maybe it's not a war worth fighting, but maybe we should just see it as an opportunity. I mean, how amazing is it that even in an increasingly secular world, that every year we still have this season, this period of time at the end of the year, where it basically becomes okay to talk about Jesus and 
sing about Jesus and, and display the story of Jesus on our houses and on our lawns and, and to just openly be Jesus' people. And so maybe instead of seeing this as a battle and a war, we should just appreciate it as an opportunity, an incredible opportunity that we have every year. I don't know when Jesus' birthday is. It doesn't matter. All I know is our culture has given us this gift that we get to celebrate publicly with the entire world, the birth and the incarnation of Jesus. Let's make it count. All right, so there it is, our question on whether or not Christians should celebrate Christmas. And please know it's not my intention to step on anybody's toes or to offend anybody. But, you know, I would love to hear what you guys think. You know, if you guys have some comments, if you have some feedback or questions, even if you have some disagreements, you know, I would love to hear all of it. And so you guys can uh, just go to the website, thedailysabbath.com. You can uh, record me a message or you can email me, whatever you feel comfortable with. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. All right. So I just want to wish you guys again a Merry Christmas. Praise God for the birth and incarnation of Jesus Christ. The Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us to shine His light, to offer Himself as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross, and ultimately to rise again from the dead and be Lord over all. Amen and amen. All right, guys, I'll see you guys next week. Take care. The closing song for this episode, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is by Erica Renee McKinney. You'll find a link to her music in the episode description. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can buy Pastor Jay a cup of coffee. For more Daily Sabbath content, please visit our homepage at thedailysabbath.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at Daily Sabbath. <laughs>